good. All right. Well, as the choir comes down, they're going to play here just for a little bit. I think Miss Connie's going to play a little for us. As the choir comes down, if our mission team would uh, just kind of make your way to the uh, platform here, I would appreciate that so much. How you doing, buddy? Hey, while they're coming, I want to remind you, too, if you haven't picked up your Awaken City, pray for Awaken City uh, magnets. We've got some in the Welcome Center. There may be some out front. If there's not, we'll get some both places. But put one on your fridge because I know y'all like me, y'all visit that part of your house pretty often. Amen? And maybe every time you go, you can remember to pray for our partners at Awaken City Church there in Harriman, Utah. What we got, Steve? You good? All righty. I'm going to take just a minute to get us started here this morning, and then I want you to hear so much from our team today. But while we're getting started, I just want to um, remind you once again, if you've uh, become a part of our church since 2018, when we began our partnership in March of that year, uh, just over four years, we've had a partnership with Awaken City Church in Harriman, Utah. Uh, it's a suburb, you would say, of Salt Lake City. Uh, was 1,500 people in 2000. By the time we got there in 2018, it had grown to 54,000 people without one evangelical church. And by God's grace, he allowed us to be a partner along with First Baptist Church Harrison, Arkansas and First Baptist Church of Powell, Tennessee as partners with Awaken City to establish the first evangelical church in a city of 54,000. It's unfathomable to us in the Bible Belt, but just in the past four years, that city has grown to over 65,000 people. That's exponential growth. And it's not just that city, but so many suburbs just bursting at the seams, but there is such a need for a gospel witness there. So to kick off our morning, we're going to show you a short video, just some clips and pictures of our most recent trip, June 25th to July 2nd. Fifteen members of your church were there. So let's just cause our attention to the screen here and watch this short video.
Matthew, I introduced y'all to last week. Uh, he sent me a video from Gulf Shores this week. Told me he was enjoying the Alabama season. He gave me three claps and a Ric Flair. So, you know, <laughs> we, we did we learned some things. But I want you to hear from our team today. And I want you to know this, too. You may be sitting there today saying, I'd be interested in being a part of this trip, but I don't want to be like drug up on stage and forced to talk. And I want you to know that nobody here is forced to do anything. It's all free will. Uh, we would never do that to you. So don't let that ever be a fear for you. But the folks who have uh, chosen to speak today are doing so because they feel as though that's what God had them to do and nobody has been threatened or anything like that but we just uh, are grateful for every servant that goes so we'll start with our testimonies who's our first testimonial Carla come on up Miss Carla good morning and first of all thank you I know last year Glenn got up here and he said thank you thank you thank you and and I resound that to you today thank you for supporting us thank you for giving thank you for praying thank you for being with us through pictures and through text and through all kinds of things while we were there before we left and we still need you since we're back uh, I'm going to go over a couple of different things one of the most amazing parts of my trip as a member of Heflin Baptist was to watch our two young people Nathan and Emma. Uh, they got there and they joined in to everything we were doing, to everything that they were asked to do, just like they'd always done it. I mean, Nathan's a teenager. He was able to be a counselor. He was able to be a crew leader and to help. He worked with those kids like he had known them all his life. And guys, when I say kids, we're talking over 200 every day. So it was a resounding number of children. It was wonderful to see them piling in the doors every morning. And then they wanted to know if we could do kids camp for another week. They liked it so well. They didn't want us to stop. Uh, Emma Grace was a camper. So she was a part of kids camp every day. But when we left the school at, after lunch every day, she became a member of our mission team and ended up doing the same service projects we were doing. And she did them with everything she had in her. So be proud of the young people that you sent to represent Heflin Baptist Church. They did an awesome, awesome job. The one thing I want to talk about the most is something I've been working on in my Christian walk, and that's prayer. I took this trip on as an opportunity to really see where prayer would take us. And I, I posted on the Heflin Baptist website before the trip, some things I wanted you to pray for with us. And one of the big things was that all the preparations would come together. A few days before we left, we kept hearing about Delta flights getting canceled. All kinds of Delta flights getting canceled. Well, Christy and Steve's did get canceled, and they ended up having to come in later than they had expected. But we got there. And now our, we had a little bit of trouble with the vans and picking those up, but and you may hear more about that later. But the preparations did come together, so thank you for that prayer. While we were there, I also posted some things we needed you to pray for while we were there. One was good health and an abundance of strength and energy 
I was probably the one that wore out of strength the easiest, but I tried to keep going whenever we were doing something. Uh, we had great days, and they were long days. It doesn't get dark out there until like 9 or 9.30. So we spent a lot of long days, but we had a fabulous time every minute. And then that the salvation of souls and the strengthening of the believers in us and the people that we were planting seeds with, one of the prayers of our camp director, Carolyn Rook, was when she had her camp at her church, was that she would see ten people brought to salvation in Christ. Well, at her church, there were eight. And she said, okay, I prayed for ten, I got eight. I, I'm okay. Well, during kids' camp in, at Awakening City, there were two that accepted Jesus Christ. And Carolyn came to me and she said, it happened, it happened, I got my ten salvations. And she said, you know, sometimes we just don't put enough weight in our prayers. Uh, and now, post-trip, I know you've prayed for us today as we communicate. Uh, so that's been one of the things. But the other one is that the people that we ministered to while we were there, that those seeds will, will take root, that something will happen. Because we were able to minister not only to those 200 children, but to everybody we met on the streets. Because believe me, they knew we were different. They followed us. They, they ran right through us. They were everywhere. Uh, but just pray for that. We heard one story from Sandra Tanner. Sandra Tanner is the one that had the Lighthouse Ministries where we buy a lot of our books. And she said that she had witnessed to her mom 50 years ago when she first became a believer. And her mom just kind of ignored it. Well, on her mom's deathbed, she called for Sandra. And she accepted Jesus. So 50 years later, that seed bloomed. So we never know what's going to happen with the seeds we plant. But again, the biggest thing, thank you, church. We appreciate you. Brent said that nobody was threatened to get up here and speak, but I was asked nicely via text and text and text, and I said I would get up here and talk. Um, Tina's got some pictures. That's one of the temples. That picture was actually taken last year. Uh, Gwen drove really fast. I couldn't get a good picture this year. Um, but so the temples, you can see the temples all over Salt Lake City. Um, it's, I don't know what kind of lighting they use, but those things have the brightest lights around them. They want, the Mormons want them to, uh, to be seen. And you can see them, they're high up. So you can see them is not like at ground level. They all they they're all raised up. Um, to me, that was I mean I I don't know. It was just I guess kind of an eerie feeling seeing all these temples all around the the uh, the city itself. Go ahead and go to the. Uh, I have no idea what order these are in. So oh now I do. So this picture, uh, you can kind of see Nathan in the background, but 
Um, I didn't realize this. I thought that behind me is, uh, oh, well, what was behind me is what I thought was a church. Come to find out, it's actually a ward. It's a, uh, a Mormon meeting room. These are like 7-Elevens in Salt Lake City. They're on every corner. Um, the one thing I found out about the wards were kind of like for us, <clears throat> we all live in Heflin, and we choose to come to Heflin Baptist. Out there, the Mormons don't get to choose what ward or meeting room they go to. They're told by the LDS church um, where they're going to go. It may be right next door to their house. It may be across Salt Lake City. It's just whatever the LDS church wants. Where, he, where they want them to go is where they're told to go. Right there, we're actually uh, we're parking cars. So on this side is the actual where the uh, kids camp was. Um, where Nathan's standing is the side of the high school. I'm on the side of the middle school. They had paved the parking lot and wouldn't allow us to park cars in the middle school parking lot. So we had to direct everybody over there on the first day and the second day. The third day, they allowed us to park in the middle school in the morning. So we were getting the parents directed to where they could go, kind of got them on a rhythm, and then they changed it on us. So then we had to, that morning, they allowed us to park at the middle school. That afternoon, when they picked them up, they had to park back at the high school. So it was just constant changing. Um, Finally, on Friday, I think we got to use it at the, in the morning and in the afternoon, so it kind of finally worked out on the last day. Go ahead to the next one. So you've heard about the block parties. Well, that's how the block party starts. The three uh, things on the right-hand side are, those are the blow-up, the, there's a, gigantic slide that is very 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 heavy um, there's a boxing ring and then like a bounce house stuff on the left side is the snow cone machine the popcorn machine and Jana's favorite the cotton candy machine um, and what oh, the uh, so basically you have to unload this trailer and set all this stuff up this is actually a retention pond that was close it had no water in it because it is very hot and very dry out there um, we had to set this up and then they had the block party and if you're if you're thinking about going to Utah I recommend do not eat any hot dogs for six months before you go <laughs> because that's what we're gonna have every day is hot dogs it's a guarantee um, we set this stuff up. It's kind of, I didn't put the picture in there, but kind of back from where I'm standing taking the picture, there's actually three horses on a, I think it was an acre lot, half acre, half acre lot. And then on the other side, or next to the horses was a pizza hut. And then in the background, there's a subway and some other restaurants. But all this is in a subdivision. Um, they do these block parties and a lot of the Mormon families actually end up showing up to these. Um, and we actually had, I know of one lady that showed up, but I'll get into that. And Go ahead to the next one. I found out something on this trip. Jana used to be a carny. 
professional cotton candy maker. That picture there is me and Brent waiting for Misty to finish ordering Del Taco. <laughs> you can't really see it, but this is in the middle school lunchroom. Um, hand sanitizer, which is probably pretty common nowadays. The little white sign down at the bottom is a suicide hotline. This wasn't just in the middle school. It's also in the elementary schools and the high schools. Suicide is a big problem with, teen, or with kids and teens and, uh, in Utah or in Salt Lake. And I don't know, that just kind of stuck out to me because Crafts was in the cafeteria and I walked by that a lot. So that just kind of stuck out to me. And it just, to me, it was kind of a, it was a shocker. And that's San, uh, Sandra Tanner, that's um, who Carla was talking about. That is Brigham Young's great-great-granddaughter. And she spoke, she started research in 1950, I think it was, to um, finding out the falseness of Mormonism. Um, I learned that, I think it was about 55 books in the Bible that Joseph Smith rewrote out of the 66 books in the Bible. So basically he plagiarized and thought he could rewrite the Bible, but as we all know, the Bible cannot ever be rewritten so or changed. Uh, I forgot what they called it. The plates. The, these are the plates that Joseph Smith supposedly received from an angel. Um, that's not the actual ones. The, they, <clears throat> but the weight on them, the weight on them, I couldn't pick up and carry, and I forgot how many, how far he carried it, but I'll do some more research on that. But the weight on it and the distance that he supposedly walked was virtually impossible. That's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir uh, where they sing at. We showed up when this guy was playing the organ, and you could tell that it was Mormon because it didn't sound anything like what Connie would play on the piano. <laughs> it was actually kind of eerie. Um, that's Brigham Young's house. Uh, where he where he stayed, and then go to the next one, and that is where you can kind of see the doors down at the bottom. That's where all of his wives; those were their quarters. And that that was plural. That was wives. This is at the mall. There's actually a creek that runs through it, and it's got live fish in there. We ain't got no malls like that around here. But back on the, to the mall, um, we ate dinner there. And when we, uh, when we got done eating dinner, we went outside. And we were in our little group trying to decide which way to go back to the, to the vans. And this guy comes walking down the steps. He's got a suit on, an earpiece, looked like Secret Service. It was basically, it, 
I've called, I don't know what the actual term is, it's probably LDS security, but I called it LDS secret service because he, I, my thought was, and I'm probably right on this, was that he was trying to figure out what we were doing because the Mormon, the LDS know that we are in Salt Lake. They knew before our wheels even touched the ground in Salt Lake that we were there. So kind of, they kind of keep an eye on you while you're there. Um, and you don't, it's, it's funny because you don't know who's watching you and who is, but they're watching you. This is one of our relaxation nights. This is at Dixie and Shane's house. Um, we've got a video later on that uh, they're, they're doing a project for, it's called the Journey to Grace. And it's basically four Mormons wanting to convert to Christianity. Um, it's a six-part series, and there's we got to we got to watch part three. Some of us, some of us took a nap, but the couch was comfy, so I almost took a nap too. But the journey of grace. Uh, Shane and Dixie were six-generation Mormons. For those that don't know, um, and turn your life to Christ and they basically did research and found out all the lies I'm not sure whose ice cream that is but I'm pretty sure it was good <laughs> I'm not sure whose that is either I don't know how that duck got there <clears throat> go back go back to the ice cream I thought I had another one in there but so we went to Leatherby's, and what I found out is that the people that own this place are it's a polygamous family. So, what they're doing in their life is wrong, but they can make some good ice cream. <laughs> the the duck picture, this duck showed up for kids camp one day. I don't know, he just. He kept trying to get in, but they, he finally flew off. That is Asher. If you were here last year, that's he was in your group, wasn't he? He was in. Okay, <laughs> that was Carrie had him, and so of course you know with with me and Christy and Glenn and Carrie, John being Down syndrome, Down syndrome people have a place in our hearts. Um, that was the thing I wanted to, when Carrie came back and I found out I was going to Utah, I wanted to meet Asher. Larry met Asher in a different way. <laughs> uh, Larry worked in the kitchen when they did snacks. They, uh, they would give him, Christy and Larry would give him water. And the first day he, he handed it to, he hand, you handed him the water and then he gave it back to you. <clears throat> and then the second day, he handed him, he said he want, he had his water, he drank it, and then he wanted more. Larry gave it to him, and he spit it out on him. So Asher's a great kid. Uh, <laughs> but he was, he was a joy to be around. He was, he was a good kid. This is uh, Bridal Falls. It's, uh, I forgot how many feet up it was. But me and Nathan... A lot of us started up the trail, 
and then a lot of them turned back, and that's who made it. So, all right. Um, that's the view from the top. I'm probably taking too much time. But. Okay, this is up on Guardsman's Post. Guardian's Path. And there is a storm on one side and sunny on the other side, and that's what the view that we got. 9,211 feet up. I can't remember what that says. Yeah. The kids had chalk during recreation, and on there you can't see it, but it says Jesus died for us. So that, that kind of stuck out to me that some of the kids. That's a block party. That's the Capitol, which looks like the U.S. Capitol in D.C., and that's a view from Ensign Peak which was a long walk. <laughs> it was, it was 400, it's a 400 foot elevation up through the trail and we made it. And just a little side note, if you're up there and you can see your van and you hit the remote to see if the horn works, it does. It does not shut off, but it does turn on. <laughs> That's all I got. shared it with Brent when I got home later 
have a job to do. And, and sometimes we think we just come to church. But we, we are members of that church. And being members of that church, we have jobs to do. Whether it's simply praying for the pastor that's up here speaking, it's a job and it's a very important job. And as I watched Derek and his wife Kristen, I realized what it takes for them to get up every Sunday and, and you know, preach in that type of an environment, to live in that type of an environment with their children and how much they must miss their families. And I realized that each one of us are so important to Brent because Brent has to be our support. The deacons need our support. Everyone has a job and a role. And I think that was the, the thing that spoke most to me about this trip is that sometimes we don't think enough about that. But um, we do appreciate all the prayers that we received out there. We knew we were getting prayer, and, and we do appreciate it. So my job was to be the Bible storyteller uh, during VBS, which is a little different for me because, you know, I'm the director here, the behind the scenes, getting everything together, and I was excited to do the Bible story, and um, I had the pre-K through third grade, and Tina, I have some pictures, some slides of these sweet babies, and um, that's our goofy picture. And um, each morning I got to tell them about uh, Jesus. And it became apparent pretty quick that um, they know the right answers. And so I had to get a little creative with how I told the Bible story because, you know, I made the mistake of thinking that... Um, the Mormon, what they preach is completely different than what we're taught, but it's not. It is so parallel and right along that it's scary. And I, I discovered on this trip that um, the battle is bigger because everybody, the answers that I got was, how do, you, how do we get to heaven? On the fourth day was the gospel presentation. And so I let the children answer and a lot of the answers was know the scriptures. Well, in my Southern Baptist mind was like, yes, that's right. But that scripture is not the holy word. They have their own scriptures that have been ripped from the Bible with just a little bit of twist that puts it back on man and puts it back on their own actions. And so as I began to press, I discovered that um, their scriptures is not the holy God. That's not the word of God. And that uh, when I ask about a Bible, the most answers I got was some of them had a Bible in their house, but one little boy told me that he was not allowed to look at it. And to me, that just, you know, like he's not allowed to look at it. And I know why. Because the Holy Spirit can speak to you when you open that word and he can talk to your heart, and he can bring you to your knees, and they know. The, I feel like deep down inside, a lot of these Mormons know that it's, it's not right, so they keep the Bible at bay, 
And uh, one little girl, the one that struck me the most was her answer for how she was going to get to heaven was she had to get married. And so if, if you don't know a lot about that, as women, young ladies, the only way that we get to go to heaven in the Mormon faith is if your husband feels that you've been a subservient enough wife and he brings you through. If he don't bring you through on the other side, you're just in some lower place and uh, your worth is nothing, which is why when you look at those signs of, of suicide, not only were they in the lunchrooms, they were in every classroom. And um, it just really broke my heart to, I, I thought of Karis and how, what if she thought that's the only way she was gonna get to heaven was to marry somebody. And so um, a lot of their answers was good works. You had to be good. That's how you get to heaven. And, you know, as, as Mormons, they have these little check boxes they check. And as long as they're checking them, then they're, they're a good Mormon. But um, I had another picture. The most thing, we talked about what stuck with us. And we did get to visit with Dixie and Shane uh, one night. And um, just hearing them talk. Tina, do you have that, that scripture? Okay, that first one. The fine refuge, me and Angie noticed that. That's outside the tabernacle, out of the, um, before you could go to the, the temple square. And it's talking about how you can come there and find refuge, which was very alarming to me because I know that that's not where you find refuge. The only refuge that we have is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. But the thing about it is, is see, they know Jesus too but they don't know them the way that we do. And it is a battle to try to get the true gospel out there. But if you'll go back, go to that scripture now, Ephesians 6 and 12, I've always, you know, this is a verse that we've known, and but this trip really spoke to me because we spoke with Dixie and Shane about the battles they faced when they started trying to leave the Mormon faith at how this verse really came to their house in physical form. They had things happen inside their house. Um, they had to have people come and pray for them. They are in a fight right now as we speak that we really don't know anything about here other than um, there is a fight against supernatural forces out there but God has has been speaking to me and, and I was going somewhere last night and it just I've never noticed it before I've passed it I was going down 27 in Buckhannon Georgia a little Buckhannon that has nothing and there, sitting on the right hand side where you turn right to go on 120 is the LDS church and I felt God speak to me and saying that there's a battle out there but it's here too and it became more evident when Dixie and Shane told us that uh, right now the Mormon church's favorite target on going and on their mission is the South. They love Southern Baptist. That is the highest conversion rate right now to the Mormon faith is from the Southern Baptist. And I began to wonder why. And I think sometimes we get in that habit of I've gone to church and I've made that check mark and then we leave God and Jesus and our relationship right here. 
and we don't pick it up again till next Sunday, or we may not pick it up again if we don't really feel like coming to church. And when it comes to trying to win these Mormons, you're going to have to know what you believe in and what you stand in. And I feel that sometimes that our faith is so shallow and they paint a pretty picture because everybody wants to be good. Who doesn't want to be good? And in their faith, that's all it takes. So you get into this works base and it puts everything back on you and takes everything away from the blood of Jesus. And we just need to be in prayer because there's a battle out there, but it's here too. It's in our back door. And I just want to thank Brent for having this vision and bringing it here to us because there's just something about this that has like ignited a fire inside of me. And I don't know why God's going to have where that's going to go, but it's, it's on my mind daily. So I just ask for your prayers. Utah for me, it was a wonderful experience. I was so happy that I was chosen to go to. Um, the cities, the mountains, it's all beautiful. The waterfall that I climbed up, it's all beautiful. But there's just one thing that they don't have, and it's the true word of Jesus. So that's one reason why I signed up. The word has told me when I was little, I have to share the gospel because Jesus is coming back soon. We have to share the gospel before he comes back because those are our brothers and sisters out there. They're all lost. We need to bring them back. They need to come back on the right track. So I was taught third grade. I was a crew leader. I helped park cars. I'm going to talk about my favorite things I did at Utah, um, mostly with the kids. Um, I liked uh, helping the third graders with their work. Um, I liked uh, to sh I love to share the gospel with kids. Um, I like to share the gospel with the little ones because they kind of they ask good questions, and most of them I can answer thanks to my dad. And, and um, I, some of them were telling me about their life story, and some of them uh, said some some interesting facts that kind of broke my heart because they're sinning and falling away from the Lord. And I was trying to show them the word of God and teach them to go back on the right track and help them get um, and make wise decisions. And um, I had a boss. His name was Mr. Troy. Um, our, and uh, he and me worked together and for the little kids. And it was just a wonderful experience to help them. I made a friend. Uh, his name's Lincoln. And I got a picture, except it's not up there. And... <laughs> But uh, he and me were good friends, and he asked me some good questions, and I was also helping him with his family because his family um, needs some help and needs to get back on the right track. Um, but, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I helped the church family. Um, I loved working. That's one of my favorite things, to work hard outside, and I helped set up for the block party, all the big balloons, and uh, working on BBS to get it all set up. That was fun. But I just love my church family. I love to be with them. They always bring me joy, and I'm happy uh, for 
to Utah, and I'm willing to go there again. sermon, but um, <laughs> but I, I won't do that. Um, that said, so the theme verse was Ephesians 2.10, and I'll, I'll read that to you quickly. So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Great scripture, kind of a scary one when you're going into a church culture, if you can even call it a church, where it's all about works. So Carrie had ordered the Lifeway, the thing with Spark Studio, so it's not the same VBS that we do here. Um, but Carrie had ordered for she and I the storybook so that we could kind of prepare beforehand. And I'm just reading all this scripture, which I love, and I'm like, we can't use these scriptures with these Mormon children. Like, they will just love, they'll eat up all the work-centered stuff because that's what they're driven towards. So I'd done all this prepping, and Carrie and I would get to our classrooms, and we would prep, and we had tons of materials. Um, and the first day, I kind of stuck with what we were supposed to teach, and the second day, a, a little variation here and there. Well, the third day, I got in there, and I had done all of this preparation, and in walks my first group, which was Nathan and his boss, uh, Troy. And um, it was as if the Lord was like, no. We, I have a different plan for you. And so it, we were getting prepared for um, the gospel presentation, which was on day four. And it might have actually did, been day four, but the whole week I felt like the Lord was just throwing curveballs. And it was like, no, I know you prep for this, but I have a different plan for you. And so um, we were sitting in there, and I was just, the Lord just pressed on me, like, honestly, Misty, yes. Are these kids driven by works? Is this what they're taught? Yes. But in all honesty, it's, it's honestly, like I've said this to more than one person since I've been home. If we're not careful, we can all be a little Mormon. Because it's super easy and comfortable for us to want to rely on things that we can control. And why we want to do that, I do not understand. Why we would look to anything other than the blood of Christ to cover us is just lunacy. But we do it. We do it in our moralism. We do it in, our, in being good and trying to go go through the motions so many of us just go through the motions of being churchy and it's heartbreaking because frankly our churches are just full of lost folks like they're full of lost folks and so what the Lord was pressing on me was love because um, I can get angry about folks not doing right so I have to repent of that and it's easy for you to see something like if we were if we had time to get into the depths of just what's crazy about Mormonism, you can uh, lull yourself to. I don't know. It's like it's easy to be mad because it seems so psychotic. So how could you believe something so nutty? But at the same time, what the what the Lord was saying is you need to love these people. You need to love these children, which was easy. You need to love their parents in this culture that have been deceived. But you need to love the people at home, too, who are deceived. Because the deception all has the exact same root. So if I back up to verse 8, because this is what I had to do to put things in context for these kids. Because like Carrie was saying, they have scripture, as they call it. They have a thing called a quad, which is the Book of Mormon. If you, I've started reading it. It's very entertaining. Um, but it's good to know. It's good to know what other people believe. And then they have this thing called the Pearl of Great Price, which is a bunch of plagiarism 
Um, and then they have the doctrines and covenants, which is just mounds and mounds of rules. And then they have the Bible. And they don't really spend a whole lot of time there. If they did, those who are converted, it's because they're challenged to read the New Testament. I, again, I could talk about that for a long time. But if we go back, it says, for you were saved by grace, which they're not really into. Through faith, and this is not of yourself. Again, this is like confronting them with, you cannot work enough. And then if you could work, how do you ever know that you've done enough? That's why the suicide rate is high, because it's like, well, did I do enough today? Have I done enough? Did I please my husband as a woman? Uh, you know, do I need to go get my chin tucked so that he'll like me over sister wife over here? It's just lunacy. Um, but not everybody, you know, there's not everybody out there is polygamy. But anyway, through grace, through faith, and this is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not from works so that nobody can boast. So the Lord just pressed that onto my heart, and I took my kids into a courtroom. And I made up a scenario. Brent was the bad guy for the sixth grade. And the story that I told them was that Brent was driving his Tesla um, down through Sandy. And he was speeding. It was a beautiful day. He was listening to uh, Miley Cyrus. Got my hands up playing that song. Y'all know it. Um, so that was the story that I'd given to the children. Butterflies fly away. Um, moving my hips like, yeah. Anyway, so... Um, the kids knew this, so, you know, you draw them in because I relate to them, and I get them to relate to me. And Brent was driving along, and he wasn't paying attention, and he, he was texting while driving, which is wrong. So all the kids are like, you know, oh, we can't break the rule, because, again, it's all about following the rule. Well, Brent, um, in my story, he veers off into this playground, because they have these immaculous parks and playgrounds everywhere. Every block has, like, this world's greatest park on it. And in the story, Brent runs over five kids and kills them. Okay, And I'm like, what do we do in our courtroom? What do we do? And I said, but I'm going to offer a defense for Brent. So I went through all these wonderful things that he had done. Faithful husband had given all this money to the church, and the kids are just nodding their heads because these are things they're taught. You be faithful, you go to the temple, you baptize for the dead, you do all these things. So I painted Brent. I mean, he is a good guy, good guy. And I said, so what should we do? One of the kids was like, oh, well, we should fine him $150. I'm like, really? Parents are going to put five children in the ground, and you think Brent needs to pay a fine for $150. So they would raise their hands and go back and forth, and eventually there was always somebody that was like, he has to die. Kill him. I'm like, yes. In reality, isn't in the, that what would happen in a, in a courtroom in our country? There would probably be life without parole in prison or, in some states, execution. And some of the kids were just disgusted with this thought. And I'm like, but is that, you know, what if it was you? What if it was your sibling? Don't you think a, a good and just judge in an, a court in our country should give punishment? If there's no punishment, are they good or just? And so I would convince them. And then I said, but what about a God in heaven, the one true God? Because after all, they believe that all you men, if you're good enough, you too can be God. So I had to emphasize the one true God. There aren't many, there's one. If he is good and just, and all of you have sinned, which they didn't believe, so I had to convince them that they had all sinned too. They've all told lies. They've all stolen. And regardless of the matter, all of us too, we've all told a lie. If you're looking at me now and saying you haven't lied, you're lying now. Everybody's lied. If you look at me and say you're not a thief, you're lying. You are a thief. You've stolen. No matter how much the value of something is, you've taken something that wasn't yours. Even if in your heart you were mean to another person and you've taken their self-worth that didn't belong to you, you're a thief. 
and I could keep going. So we stand before a holy God, and we're guilty. So on that day, do you want to rely on hoping that the scale will tilt that you've done enough, or do you want to place your faith in Christ who shed his blood to pay your way? What's it going to be? And that was the same message that I gave to these kids, and it, made, it, it, it was crushing them. You could see it. And so there were a lot of kids who were inquiring. And, Tina, I don't know if you have the picture of my little guy. Second year in a row, what impresses me the most is these kids want Bibles. And we had some stacks of Bibles that we were able to give away, and I didn't have enough to give to everybody. And so I would say, if you do not have a Bible at home and you want one, raise your hand. And these hands would shoot up, and I would kind of like quiz them to see if they really did. And this little guy... His name's Gabe. He said, I, I, my parents have a copy. He was referring to the quad, but they won't let me read it. They won't let me touch it. And so I gave him this Bible, and that was his face. And then he said, will you take your picture with me? And this was not just one day. This was every day. And, and they, they cherish these. And I think about my two kids, and they have Bibles, and we have all kind of Bibles in our house. And you have Bibles in your house. And so I guess my message today is, is my heart longs for these people and, and for these Mormons, and I encourage you. I got all kind of books. If I had more time, I would just go on and on, but I don't. Um, I, Steve took it with his storytelling. That's cool, though. Um, but what I would say is if you're a Christian and you're in here today, at some point when you were saved, there was a fire within you that was burning, and you had a desire for God. But I fear that so many of us, we don't have that anymore. We just kind of rotely go through life, and it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but your life doesn't demonstrate a change. And, you know, Jesus is stronger than a Mack truck. And if you have an encounter with a Mack truck when you leave church today, you can guarantee, I promise you, you're going to be changed by that Mack truck. So if you've had an encounter with Christ and, and, and you're not changed, I encourage you to go to the New Testament, just like I would tell a Mormon today. Go to John. Go to 1 John. Give yourself the test that Christ himself put in our hands and see if you're in the faith. Because if you don't have a desire for him, something's not right, folks. And that's the same thing that I saw there. These kids had a desire, and I'm like, Lord, give that to our children. Give that to our church. Turn us back to your face and help us to just really have that desire to go out and see people won over for the Lord. I won't keep you long. I'm the last one, but uh, it's kind of funny. I, I haven't talked to anybody about what the Lord laid on my heart while I was there, but you've heard it already. Uh, we went to Shane and Dixie's, and they showed us a, that video of uh, that they're making to help Mormons transition. And you know, it's it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious they're believing a lie. And, and there's lots and lots of evidence. It's kind of like if, if somebody said that Brent was a fan of orange and blue, it'd be hard to find evidence of that, wouldn't it? It'd be real easy to find evidence that he's a, he's a Tide fan. Well, that's kind of the way it is there. There's a lot of evidence that that's a lie. There's no evidence that it's the truth. Uh, Sandra Tanner's got a, a poster on her wall in her bookstore, and it's they, they had a, some money supposedly early on in this and there's pictures of ancient money from from the Romans and stuff like that and then there's there's labels of the money from this 
early Mormon church, but there's no pictures because they've never found any because there's no evidence. It's, it's, it's a cult. And Joseph Smith was a, a, a diviner and a magician and a scam artist. And, and it's more and more obvious. And as we were watching this video, it really spoke to my heart because God's working mighty there. That, that place is changing. Now, there is oppression, but I can tell the Lord's gaining momentum there, and things are changing, and he's going to do some great things there. But during that moment, the Lord also laid on my heart that that's their cancer. That lie is their cancer. But he laid on my heart that our cancer is casual Christianity. And that's the same thing that everybody else has said this morning. He laid on my heart that, that we do, we have, we have everything set up for us. We walk in this building and we're ready to worship. Here we are, bless me if you can. And we don't commit to sacrificing to be a part of worship. And so the Lord's really laid on my heart that, that that's, it's almost harder here than it is there. Because it's easy to show them evidence that that's a lie. But it's hard to show people sitting in these pews that they're not really following Jesus like, like the Word of God says we're supposed to. And so that was, that's what the Lord pressed on me during this trip. And again, I want to say thank you to this church for, for sponsoring and for backing this mission because I'm telling you, it, it changes your life when you go, but it don't, also, it don't just change you for there. Now, I do have a desire to go back and to, to, to continue to help in, in God's work there, but it's also lit a fire for me here, as I think you've heard for some of these others. So thank you, church. You can see clearly why it's so important for me and our core values that we would share God's word, show God's love, and send God's people. You've seen in action today what happens when you send God's people. When you live sent, I read Ed Stetzer years ago talk about that's the way every Christian ought to live is live sent. Whether that's sent to your job as a missionary, whether that's sent into your community, or that's sent into other areas, we live as sent missionaries of God. I believe by sending God's people, it helps us fulfill our value of sharing God's word and showing God's love because when you live sent, that's what you do when you're sent. So I believe that's very important. I want you to make sure you understand that today. In Salt Lake City, one of the biggest differences I saw over the past four years was a major increase in homelessness downtown. I want to say to you, that's something that I want to speak to our partners there about in the future. Is how can we help with that? Because they're all around Temple Square. And let me tell you, it's no refuge and ain't, there's no hope. No hope in the Pope, no hope in Joseph Smith, there's no hope. But there is hope, help, and healing in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember that. Also be mindful that in our area, our brothers from East Taboga Baptist Church just returned recently from a partnership in Farmington, uh, just north of Salt Lake City. There are others in our area that are there. My friend John Lemons from Journey Fellowship and uh, Bremen just returned from uh, southern Idaho, which is in the same convention that we're in there in uh, Utah. Last night I talked to my good friend Richard Brown. You've heard me talk. You prayed for his daughter, Erin, who was 21 
when she had her heart transplant last year and she's doing well and thank you but I talked with him and my good friend Tim Smith and they're in Utah today in Salt Lake City preaching at two churches and if you knew the whole backstory on them being there and I shared with the guys in the prayer room this morning some major so there is a major influence and I believe an invasion of the gospel there in that area so I want to encourage you to play with them now let me pray for them but now you young guys, you athlete guys, you saw I had to channel my inner, I, I, I did a lot of shotgun snaps, and I realized I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, right? Look at one game, you guys, I need y'all because that Tennessee bunch outnumbered us, but we still whooped them, okay? But I, I need y'all, so uh, remember that too as we go forward. But let me leave you with this today. I'm grateful to be a part of a church that's embraced a mission of sending God's people. Wherever that is, cross street around the world, we're not leaving this mission field for another. We are an Acts 1-8 church that believes we're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth simultaneously. Let me tell you how we do that. We send that, do that by sending our money and sending our members. And you can't pick one or the other. A lot of churches like to do it by sending money because that means somebody else does it for us. But I believe when you live sent, you live sent by giving, yes, but you also live sent by going. I just want you to know how grateful I am to be a part of a church because when you give today, about 25%, give or take, of what you put in that plate today is going to fund some mission opportunity for our church through the cooperative program, through HBC Missions, through Cleveland Baptist Association, through the Alabama State Convention, through Mission Dignity of Giving to Widows, through the Alabama Baptist Children's Home, so many different ways, campus ministries and all the things we do on college campus here at JSU and in our college campus, I mean our high school and elementary middle school campuses here in this county, you are making a difference and you need to know that. Four years ago, we didn't have 15 people that would sit on a stage and say, hey, this changed my life. I believe that not only is this changing lives there, it's changing lives here. A friend of mine, Robin, you know my friend, he had a church planter in Phoenix, Arizona. And he had a group that have ladies that had never shared their faith once in their life, grew up in the Bible Belt, went to Phoenix, Arizona, did prayer walks in a community, and in that community, a man that they kept praying for each day finally noticed the door hanger on his door, said, you've been prayed for, and he stopped them in the driveway. And he said, I need to talk with y'all. He said, I'm so thankful you come by because yesterday when I came home, I had came home with a plan to end my life. But I saw your knock, door knocker where you see you've been praying for me. And I read the plan of salvation on the back, and I want you to know I committed my life to Jesus. Do you know what that lady, those ladies, when they came back to the South, they came back ready to share their faith. They were not reluctant anymore because of rejection. They had seen the power of the gospel in action when somebody's life, when he was about to make the most terrible decision ever and Jesus Christ stood between him and eternity. That's awesome stuff, amen. Utah leads the nation in suicide. We got to be there with the gospel. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm done. Second Chronicles 16:9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Pray with me. Ms. Con
Connie, if you'd play as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for your people and their willingness to commit their time, effort, energy, their money. And thank you for a church that comes alongside and supports through giving to missions that enables members of this church, family members to travel together and go to other parts of this country that doesn't even feel like this country. Take the gospel of Jesus Christ into those areas and just trust you, God, to do great and mighty things. Lord, I pray that you would fan the fire for missions, ministry, and for the gospel across this congregation, across this city, this area. God, that many others would join in the battle to reach souls here locally, to reach souls regionally, nationally, and internationally. Because God, we know time is drawing nigh. Soon, your son Jesus, oh Lord, he will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. We will rise to meet you in the air. And oh Father, we want so many more to be in that number. We want so many more people there in that part of the world. We want people in this part of the world. We want people from every kindred, tribe, tongue, nation to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be forever changed. Lord, today would you continue to mold that, magnify that in our hearts so that it'll be very clear that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to stand with me, if you would, all across the house. Here's the invitation today. You, you, you normally hear from the preacher, but today you've heard from the preacher and people. Today, if God's fanned a flame in your heart, maybe there's somebody you know right here in our area that needs to hear the gospel, and you've been reluctant, and you'd like for God to give you the words and give you the things you need to do. Maybe you'd want to pray with somebody. Or maybe you'd say, God, continue to expand our territory. Give us more opportunities for missions here, there, and everywhere. Maybe you'd say, God, thank you for letting our church be on mission with you, and I just want to see it grow. Maybe you'd be here and say, man, I tell you, I want to be a part of a church that's got a mission to reach the world with a gospel like that. I'd invite you to come on this verse right here. Marty, you come and lead us. Miss Connie plays, you obey the Lord as he speaks to your heart today when you're ready.
the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Before our ushers come, we've got this uh, quick, uh, it's a couple of minutes, but it's the journey to grace. We've been talking about Dixie and Shane West. It gives you an overview. Uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks before it's released, but we wanted you to see this. So whenever you're ready, Miss Dean. almost 40 years we were Mormon, otherwise known as Latter-day Saints. We were challenged by some Christians regarding some of our beliefs. And that led us to the turning point in our faith crisis. We prayed for God to tell us His truth. To be honest, we were scared to death because what that possibly meant was leaving the LDS church, our friends, our family. There was a couple weeks after that when um, I couldn't get out of bed. I just laid in bed and cried and slept and it was really, really dark. Now knowing that it's, you know, this unearned favor from God, this gift from God that I can do nothing to earn. It's just completely different concept. And it was so beautiful. We were able to give our lives to Christ because of it. There's a joy in our heart. Sometimes we don't even know why we're so joyous. We're just happier than we used to be. And actually we do. We attribute that to God, to Jesus for giving us that freedom just breaking the yoke of the LDS church and just the bondage that it had on us, all of the requirements, um, you know, all of the false man-made religion. God put it on our hearts to help other Latter-day Saints who were struggling with their faith, questioning the teachings of the Mormon Church and searching for answers. We took reliable information we had gathered over a period of seven years and created a discipleship series we called Journey of Grace. We start with why you can trust the Bible and go through many of the major issues of the teachings of the LDS Church. It ends with how to become a true Christian and enjoy a new life that will honor God. Please consider partnering with us in this journey of grace. That will be available on slcministries.org, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. It was supposed to have been out Friday, but got delayed. Keep checking back to that website so you can see that's a seven or eight part series on um, the teachings that you just read about. And this is why it's so important to me. It broke my heart when they said their number one converts were Southern Baptists. Bobby, I couldn't believe that. I thought, there's no way. 
but it's true. And it's because so many Southern Baptists have not been taught what you believe, why you believe, or how to flesh it out. And we want you to know that your generation, the generations that come behind us matter because not only do we need to be prepared to send people there, we need to be prepared to defend our faith here. Amen? I believe that. So we just want you to know that, wanted you to see that quick video. Many of you were here when Dixie and Shane visited with us about three years ago, and we'll have them back, but we just wanted you to see that's the next thing. Our ushers are coming to receive our morning tithes and offerings, and like I said today, it's good to know that you're part of a church that is missional, not just in our what we put on the wall, but what we do when we go outside these doors. Amen? It's very important. So as we give today, let's give joyfully and cheerfully to the Lord, believing that he is going to use us to accomplish great things for his glory. Let's join our hearts together and ask God's blessings. Father, we come before you. Our mission here at Heaven Baptist Church is to share your word and show your love and to send your people. You've heard the testimonies this morning of our people who went into Harriman, Utah and planted those seeds, Father. Father, as you send others along to water those seeds, we yes. pray that your harvest will be bountiful there. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunities you've given us to get outside these doors and to spread your message. Father, as we take up the offering this morning, we pray that, that you'll just bless that offering. And Father, that you will go above and beyond and just sacrificial give to your ministry. Lord, we just thank you for those opportunities that you've given us. We thank you for your blessings. Continue to bless us and just go with us and lead us and guide us and direct us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. quick before we dismiss I know we went a few minutes longer and here's the thing about it makes you miss your preacher don't it eh? nah. <laughs> nah, that's no that's good hey yeah uh, right here uh, children's ministry there's some things about the swim party Wednesday night if you have any questions Miss Misty's right here children's director you can see her if you have any questions about that ladies there's a great opportunity Robin uh, Morrison, I don't like to say many nice things about her, but anyhow, if they know, no, she's my bud. I'm kidding with Robin and uh, Miss Carrie Beth Elkins have put together uh, a conference here that's uh, actually streaming. It's a live stream, is that right? For Lisa Turkhurst and all these desperate for Jesus women's conference.
hours. That's Friday night and Saturday morning. There's no cost for that, right, Robin? It's totally free. Uh, you can come if you have questions uh, about that. Robin's right here, and I want you to just ask her. What is, there's a sign-up sheet also so they can know who to plan for because I bet there's going to be some food somewhere. So anyhow, uh, if you would, that would be a great opportunity, ladies, to take advantage of, to be a part of that fellowship with other ladies and be, get the teaching from Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, Priscilla Shy's on there too. Yeah, yeah. Her daddy's quite, I bet she heard some preaching at home too. But anyhow, RC Ministry is next Sunday, 3 o'clock, Hoger Creek. And listen, just about a month away is Gridiron Night this year instead of Gridiron Day. We're going to do Saturday night. I wanted to make it, we're all, I, wanted to, I really wanted to make it a community event where all of our churches come together and stuff like that. And maybe it'll be better if we do that on Saturday. All our athletes of every sport, band, cheerleaders, coaches, administrators, everybody, and all folks. This year, our speaker is Brody Kroll, Rotai. <laughs> told you I'm still looking for a Christian at Auburn. When we find one, we'll invite him. But uh, nevertheless, Brody Kroll will be our speaker this year. Now he's the present CEO of Big Oak Ranch. You know, his dad started in the early 70s. And my friend Dalton Screws and his bunch from the Lighthouse Worship Band is going to be their lead worship. It's going to be a great, great time. You don't want to miss that. Our posters will be in this week, full color, color posters. We'll get those out to you. Make sure that you pick those up when you come in. Probably They should be here by Wednesday, if not next Sunday. Let's get them out. Let's fill up the Heflin Recreation Department building with people. Let's worship God. Let's hear from God. And let's ask God to direct our students and to just be Lord over our schools. Because here's the thing about it, and I tell our athletes a lot, somebody's going to have to step up and stand out for Jesus and quit trying to fit in. Amen? He did not call you to fit in. He called you to stand out. So just pray for that, that we'd have a revival among students. You know, every movement of God he ever done, he's always done it with young people, and I believe we can do it again. Amen? All right, well, let's stand together. Yes, sir, hold on. Yes, sir. Deacons, four o'clock. Thank you. Marty, y'all practicing Wednesday? Wednesday. Choir's practicing Wednesday. So deacons meet at four for all active deacons. Thank you, Bobby. Marty's going to sing us out. I'll catch you outside. Hey, remember this. I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Amen. All right, Marty, when you're ready. To God.